Um, we're in a series that we're going to jump into, and uh, this series is called I Have Decided. And at uh, the end of this message, I'm going to talk to you, talk to you about where that, that idea comes from of I Have Decided, and uh, I'll share um, a story about uh, that took place, and, and uh, hopefully that will inspire you a little bit. But this series really is about this idea of um, every single day we, we make decisions, right, in our lives of who to listen to, who, to, who we allow influence our lives. And depending on who we're listening to or what we're listening to, uh, really will impact our emotions. It'll impact our worldview. And this series saying, what would it look like if we made that decision to follow Christ? Right? His first invitation to the disciples was, come and follow me. And so for this series, I'm saying, let's make the decision where we can say, I have decided to follow Christ. Um, because who we follow is really important. And the question really is, who am I following? It's not, are you following, but who are you following? What are you following? Um, because that's going to have an impact in who you become. Uh, because when it comes to followership, right, uh, Jesus called it discipleship or uh, a followership. Uh, it's impossible to be a disciple or a follower of somebody and not become like that person. And so if you're following a specific uh, person, you'll eventually become, begin to talk like them. You'll begin to think like them. You'll take on a lot of the same things. And uh, many ways, many times that can be a good thing, and sometimes that can be a negative thing. Uh, right now in, in our culture, social media, with uh, the news, with media going on, if we're not careful, we will begin to only take on those things that we listen to. And so if your day is full of um, uh, you know, negative posts, you'll become a negative person. And so during this series, we're saying, let's pay attention to what we're following, right? And we said the, the uh, second week was following starts with listening, right? Because every relationship, um, the, a conversation is really the basis for any relationship. And so we need to learn to listen. And we said we do that through prayer and Bible study, right? With regular time, an open Bible, and a listening heart. And that helps us to um, be always just saying, God, what are you trying to speak to me, right? And then last week, we said that our soul is greater than things. And if we're not careful, we'll trade the things God's invited us into for something that's temporary, something that is immediate. And uh, when we do that, we miss out on the bigger things that God is calling us to. And so we said, if you're going to follow, follow Christ, you need to do something on a daily basis. And in fact, you need to do three things. And this comes from the, the passage where he says, if anybody's going to follow me, you must uh, give up your life, right? You must take up my cross, take up your cross, and you must follow me. And so we said, give up, take up, and follow, right? So we said, palms up. Palms down, palms up, uh, palms down, we're saying, God, I surrender. Palms up, we're saying, God, I receive what you have, and then we're going to follow you. And so uh, we've, uh, this whole, for the, this month of June, as we've gone through this series, uh, we've really walked through the different, the four different Gospels. So these four different accounts of Jesus' life. And so we started with Matthew, and we went to Luke, and we, last week we talked about Mark. And today we're going to talk about the Gospel of John. Uh, John was the closest disciple to Jesus, right? So uh, in, his, in his Gospel, when you read it, he talks about how the, the disciple that Jesus loved, right? There was this uh, really intimate connection that he had with Jesus. And so John um, is really the, the only disciple that didn't uh, die by, by martyrdom. He didn't, he didn't have a horrible death and, and wasn't killed, um, whether by boiling or their heads cutting, being cut off or their hung, hanging on crosses or being stoned to death, right? So all the disciples, when they went to different parts of the world, they gave their life willingly to take the message of Jesus to, to different countries, different nations, different parts of our world, and they lost their life because of it. They believed so much they were willing to give their life. So John, he was arrested and he was exiled to an island uh, where he wrote some letters to some churches. He wrote the Gospel of John and he wrote Revelation. And so we're going to walk through those. And, um, you know, one of the commentaries I've really enjoyed in this series that I've been reading is from Warren Warrensby. And uh, this is what he says about John, right? He says the first three Gospels... They major, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they major on describing the events of, of the life of Christ. But John, he emphasized the meaning of these events. 
So John is giving us some insight, right? Um, so Mark is the shortest, like we said last week, and he kind of just, it's a mission to get from just, you know, starting his ministry to dying that cross to come back to life. And the whole point of, of Mark's gospel is, is action, is to the Romans. He's trying to show that God, uh, he, he gave his life willingly, right, to, for us. And it goes pretty quickly. And Matthew and Luke, the same thing. It's just kind of, there's a lot of actions moving from, from scene to scene to scene to scene uh, to, to the death and resurrection of Christ. Well, John's a little different, right? His starts off, it very sounds a little more like the book of Genesis, right? In the beginning, God created. And he's giving this uh, comparison to the beginning of, of time. And he's talking about Jesus, how he shows up on the scene. And John, it's more of a conversation. He's given us insights into the things that Jesus was telling the disciples. Uh, for example, all four Gospels record these miracles that Jesus did of feeding a lot of people. But John is the only one that gives the teaching behind the miracle, right? So he's saying, these people are coming for me because I'm giving them physical bread. I'm taking care of a need. But really, he says, I am the bread of life. And if somebody really wants to be satisfied in life, they begin to follow me. And, and that's what John is giving some insight there. And so John is um, helping us to see there, there's more, right? Um, it's, it's, it's him saying, God is about relationship. And it goes on, Warren Warnsby says this, that there is one major theme that runs through John's gospel. And the theme is this, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and if you commit yourself to him, he will give you eternal life. And so that's the major theme. Um, so if, if you notice in John 20, this is where uh, John actually gives the reason for writing. He says this, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. He's talking about the book of John. He's saying, so I've given you a lot of insight into Jesus, into what he taught and things he did, but there's a lot of things I didn't write about. And he says, but these were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. So the purpose of John's gospel, he's saying, I've written these so you'll understand that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing this and believing in him, you'll actually have life in his name. And so, in fact, there's, there's one, uh, one place where uh, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they're trying to kill Jesus. And Jesus says, why are you trying to kill me? And, and, uh, and they, he says, why are, you, why are you trying to kill me? Because they, they pick up stones to stone him. And uh, he's, they say, we're, not, we're stoning you because of blasphemy, because you're a mere man who claims to be God. And John puts this, this little nugget in there saying, the reason the, Jews, the religious leaders are so furious with Jesus is because he was claiming to be God, which in their eyes, that would be for a man to do, that would be blasphemy, right? So it'd be like me saying, all right, guys, um, my name's Eric Matoya, but I am, you know, God in the flesh. A lot of you watching will be like, that's kind of crazy, Eric. You're not God. You're just a man. I, I know your parents. I know all that. Well, this is the, this is the challenge religious leader had with Jesus. And so they wanted to, to kill him. Um, I love C.S. Lewis. He says this about Jesus, right? So maybe you're watching today, and uh, you, you have maybe this question of who was Jesus, right? C.S. Lewis says it so succinctly in his book, Mere Christianity. He says this, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. So we have people in our culture that say Jesus was a great moral teacher. We should listen to his teaching. He was a great moral teacher. But C.S. Lewis argues and says um, that person who claims the things that Jesus claimed wouldn't be a great moral teacher. He would either be a few, one of a few things. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. So Jesus can't say he's God and be a good moral teacher, right? He, he either is or he's crazy or he is a devil, right? In disguise, trying to lead people astray. He goes on and says, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for being a fool. 
You can spit at him for, and kill him as a demon, right? Which is what, what the Pharisees and the religious leaders are trying to do. They're saying he's a demon. He's not of God. He's of the, of the of devil. So we're going we're gonna to close that down and kill him. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. I love how C.S. Lewis says that. Let's not come, right, with any nonsense about saying he was just a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So C.S. Lewis is saying, when you look at the life of Jesus, he didn't leave that open for a debate. He didn't say, hey, just listen to me as a good moral teacher, has good teachings. He said, There's, he's got to be one of three things. Jesus either is a lunatic, right, or he's a liar, or he is Lord. So in, in, we have to make that decision in our lives. What was Jesus? Who was Jesus to us? Was he just a liar who had these great stories and convinced a lot of people, tricked him into following him, and even given a life um, at, at the hands of others there, to the point of death? Right? So he's just a liar? Was he a lunatic? Was he crazy? Was, was, did he think he really was God and he really wasn't? He was just a person. Or what he said really is true and he's Lord. In my life, I've decided to follow Jesus because I believe he is the Lord. He is the Son of God. That he came with a demonstration of power. He came and he, and he, and he gave us the ability to see into what, what heaven is calling us into, a better life, right? Into a better way of living. And he didn't just say it, he modeled it for us, Right? And uh, he gives us this, this, um, this invitation to that. And one of the things I love about John is John is always helping us to see how Jesus did it. Right? So if he was the, the master evangelist, if he was the, uh, the master um, uh, person that's leading people into relationship with God, he shows us. In fact, John, uh, over and over, he's, uh, if you think of the letter of John, think of it like this way. Uh, John experienced all of these things um, that, that Jesus um, did um, and, and he said. And then he gets the ability to write back years later to tell about all the things that he said. And so um, in John 13, Jesus tells them, I'm telling you this before it happens. And, and he makes this statement multiple times in the Gospel of John. He keeps telling them, guys, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, but hey, three days later I'm going to raise again. And then a few chapters later, hey guys, we're getting ready to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to die at the hands of the religious leaders, um, but take heart, right? Don't, don't be discouraged. Uh, you're going to have tra- challenges and troubles, but take heart because I'm going to overcome. I'm, I've overcome the world, and I'm going to help you. And over and over, and he says, so when it does happen, you will believe that I am who, the, who has said I am. Right? He's telling John, John's writing, saying, he's telling the disciples, I'm going to tell you what's going to take place. Right? I'm going to give you a prediction. I'm going to uh, give you a prophetic insight into what's going to take place so that when it happens, you're going to say, oh, yeah, Jesus told us what's going to happen, and then we'll believe that he really was the Son of God. He goes on and says, Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. So Jesus' invitation is to follow me, right? So the Gospel of Matthew, the first invitation from the disciples, he goes to Peter and he says, Hey Peter, uh, come, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. So even the opening invitation for Peter was, Come and follow me, so you're going to live the life I live, you're going to learn from me to be uh, who I am, right? But I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So he says, but your focus will not be on you, but it's going to be on God, it's going to be on others. And if you, if you want to follow Jesus, that's always his invitation to love God and to love others. And he, and he invites us into following. What's interesting is the Gospels open in Matthew with, with his invitation to us to follow, and they finish and close in John. It's the last thing John talks about was the life of Peter. Right? So it's the story of Peter. Um, he, he denies Christ. He deserts. He leaves. Jesus comes back and says, Hey, Peter, even though you ran away, and I still believe and I see something valuable in you. Would you come and follow me? And it's the last invitation he gives in the, in the book of John. He's saying, Peter, come, follow me. Right? 
And, and Peter's in, the, in this conversation. He's saying, what about them? What about John? And, and, and Jesus says, no, don't worry about them. Just you choose. You follow me. And I think it's, it's, it, as we go through the season of COVID and the season of a lot of tension going on, right? Political tension and uh, r- racial tension, all that. I think it's very uh, important that we pause and say, God, in the middle of all this, what are you asking me to do, right? I don't want to get sucked into what a specific party wants me to do or specific um, uh, people on social media want me to do. What do you want me to do? And I think this is the invitation God has given to them and also to us. Um, and, and like I said, in, in Matthew, right? So Matthew writes, he's a tax collector. He writes from the perspective of he was a traitor to the Jewish people and God still chose him to follow. So, so he, he invites Matthew, um, who's on the opposite side of where Peter was, right? I, I would think like in, if, if we compared it to today, right? We have... Uh, these red and blue states, right? We have the Republicans and the Democrats. And uh, whatever side you're on, Jesus is inviting the other side to follow him, right? And, and, and he's also inviting the, your side. And he's saying, would you come and follow me? I, it's, not, it's not your p- political um, bent that, that I'm, I'm bringing in. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you as a person. Would you come and follow me? And over and over he does this. He's inviting these different types and personalities. In fact, in the book of John, uh, when we look at uh, him uh, having conversations with people, every chapter he has a conversation with somebody else. Uh, one of the first um, conversations with a man named Nicodemus. He's a religious leader, right? So you, you can maybe go to the one extreme. He'd be more of like the legalist about the law. Um, he's been studying the, the, the scriptures for his whole life, and um, he's a teacher. And, and, G- and Jesus has this conversation with him. In fact, in this conversation is where we get the most famous scripture in the Bible, right? John 3.16, it says, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. So that's, that's the statement he makes to Nicodemus, right? That you have to be born from above. You have to be born again if you want to be part of the kingdom of God. And in this conversation with the religious leader, the legalist, on one extreme, he's, he's inviting them into a relationship and saying, would you come and follow me? Let me show you what the kingdom is about. The very next chapter, we're on the other extreme. Now we're at, we're, we're, he's with a Samaritan woman who would be an outsider, an outcast, right? A half-breed. Um, the, 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 Jewish, the Jewish people despise the Samaritans, right? And then for her, she's on the other side of, of really wanting to do her own thing, living uh, what we call the license, right? Just license to do whatever you want. And that's where culture slowly always wants to go. Is we, we call it freedom, but really it's just license to do whatever we want to do. And there's these two extremes, right? And both extremes call themselves freedom, but the truth is neither of them will be freedom. Freedom kind of falls somewhere more in the middle. It's not just adhering to something just because. It's understanding the heart of it. Freedom comes from understanding the heart of the law. And it's not just doing whatever you want, right? It's not just um, giving in to your, into your desires. It's saying there has to be some kind of um, choice that we make. So freedom always costs something. And so he's, he's going to this woman who's an outsider. He's inviting her in. And he's having a conversation. He's asking questions. There's dialogue going on between these individuals, the religious and the irreligious, right? The believers and the unbelievers. And he's, and he's inviting them in, men and women, right? The, the rich and the poor, um, the, the influential and the, and the outcasts. And he's saying, come and follow me. And throughout the Gospel of John, as you read through it, he's taking us on this journey of saying, slow down, pay attention to what's going on, John, because um, Jesus has given us insight into the meaning behind what God is doing, the meaning behind why Jesus came in the first place. And I can imagine John writing this letter and, and, and uh, writing this, this gospel, this, the, the good news, the book of John. And he's telling his story to help us down years down the road to, to, to see, have insight into what God was saying, into the teachings, into the miracles. 
And when I look at the Gospels, I look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, we have so much accounts of Jesus' life in this, right? And they're different perspectives because they're writing to different individuals in society. And they're helping us to have insight into the, into the story, into the life of this. We can say it like this, that Jesus, he is inviting us to follow him. It is something that is bigger than any one of us can accomplish by ourselves, that we can do alone. So Jesus is inviting you into something bigger than what you, what you would even dream of your life. He's inviting you into something that is so much bigger than your life. And he's inviting me into something that's so much bigger than just me. Like, we try to make the world about us, and God is saying, I have something bigger than that. Like, everything you can even imagine, I have something even better. And then he's also saying, but it's going to take more than just you. It's going to take my help, but it's also going to take people around you. And he invites us into this journey, right? And the fact is that you cannot pull off what God is calling you to do by yourself. And I cannot pull off what God is calling me to do by myself. In fact, there's a reason that he calls the church, the the image that the Bible uses about the church is the body of Christ. Like all of us together, we work together to make an impact in this world. And and he's invited us in. In fact, um, you know, during this COVID season, um, I want to give a shout out to some of the pastors and and churches in our city, right? Uh, Pastor Ron Sebast at The Light and Brian Hallmark at Christian Life and Larry Delgarza at uh, uh, Hope uh, Unlimited and Carlos and uh, Montoya at Blaze. Um, and Reed at First Baptist and Greg at Christ Church. All of these guys, some of the friendships I have with them, they reached out and said, hey, can we help you? And many of them say, hey, if you want to use our building, feel free to use our building. Like, we want to help and encourage you. And I love that the fact that they were willing to say, hey, we're, we're on the same team. We're in this together, right? What they're saying and what our conversation is, we're the body of Christ. It's not one church that does it by itself. It's all of us doing it together. And then I think of our church, The Grove, and I think of all the different skill sets and the different people that are in our team and it takes all of us. And then I imagine of all the people that aren't even at our church yet or in a church in Santa Fe, and I pray uh, on a regular basis, God, help them to come be a part of the kingdom of God, part of the body, so we can make a bigger difference, right? And Paul writes in Romans, he says, we're the body. We make up, all of us together make up the body of Christ. So Christ is ahead. He's the one calling the shots. But the rest of us do our, our jobs. We, do, we use our gifts to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to this earth. And he invites us and says, come and follow me. Be a part of this. In fact, in, in, in Romans, Paul talks about these gifts. He says, you know, if your gift is to prophesy, then use that gift. Prophesy. If your gift is to lead, then lead people. If your gift is to serve others, then serve diligently, right? If, if you have the gift of giving, he says, then give generously. Like whatever gifts God has put in your hands, and all of us have different gifts, he said, if you'll do your part, and I do my part, together we'll be able to have an impact on this earth. Um, and we're, and, and that's, that's what we're all about at the girl. We're saying, how can we work together to make a difference? You know, one of the things I'm excited about this season, we never stopped being the church. You know, we love, well, we had opportunities to love people in our city, people around the world, right? We continue to feed kids in, in Haiti throughout this whole season. We never stopped. Why? Because we want to break poverty over there, right? Uh, we fed kids in, in, in our city. Uh, we reached out and, and, and resourced people that, that had needs in our city, different organizations. We're saying, how can we be the hands and the feet of Christ to Santa Fe, to New Mexico, to the United States, to the world? What can you do through a body of people that say, together we can do so much more than we can by ourselves? In fact, one of the things is, as, um, as we move forward into the future, we're always praying, saying, God, give us the opportunities to be able to have uh, the greatest impact that we can have. Resource us and help us. Um, and so we're praying through those things. And maybe you're watching. You know, so, Sometimes um, people that have different gifts, you think, how can my gift really fit in? How can, it, how can I use the gift that I have? And then there's different, different ways you can, you can join team and you can uh, be a part of what's going on. You know, one of those gifts that Paul talks about is the gift of giving. 
maybe some of you that are watching, uh, you, you, you're gifted in that area of knowing how to manage um, the resources God's put in your hands. So one of, one of the things that we're going to be doing really soon is, is, is helping people to have that gift to say, here's some opportunities. Would you want to be a part of that? In fact, if that is your gift and, and you would like to hear some opportunities, we'd love for you to connect with us. Um, and with people in our church that say, this is my gift. I want to be able to help others to say, let's come together and do something very incredible. Let's do something beyond what we can do by ourselves. Uh, if that's you, um, you know, as opportunities come our way, we'd love to tell you more about that. Uh, you just have to self-identify and say, hey, I want to learn more about this. How can I be used in that area? If your gift is to serve, right, to help others, and we'd love for you to join the team and be a part of saying, what, what can we do together to serve the young, to serve the old, to serve those in our, in our community that need it the most? And together we make a big difference. So we look at the, the Gospel of John and we look at the story where uh, Jesus is, is having these conversations. He gives us, I think, uh, John gives us insight into the strategy, into the way that, that Jesus would, would um, lead people into relationship with, with Christ. And it was always through conversation. Um, in fact, a lot of uh, John, record, uh, what he records is the conversations he had with the disciples and the conversations he had with, un, with individuals and saying, I want, I want you to see something. And so we can say it like this. There's three things that we see in the, in the life of Jesus when he is, um, and that we need to have when it comes to um, being the kind of people God wants us to be as a church. The first thing is we need to read the word, right? So um, the, the, the gospel writers, they recorded this and they would say it often that early in the morning Jesus would get up and he would spend time with the Father. Like he was getting alone, he was asking God, what are you speaking to me? That, that's a part of being a, a, a disciple, a Jesus follower, is saying, I need to hear what God is asking me to do so I can do it. And then he would read the arrow. I mean by arrow, I couldn't find the best word there, but arrow just means uh, the atmosphere, the what's unseen, maybe the room or the season, right? So you read, he read the, wor- the, the word, he, he, got, he had a relationship with God, um, he read the situation, the air, right, what was going on, the unseen, in his conversations with Nicodemus, he's, he's trying to look below the surface, right, what's really going on with the Samaritan woman, he's looking below the surface, he's reading the atmosphere, saying what is really the unseen that's going on here, and then finally he read the person, what, what, is, really, what is this person really asking, what is that, this person really after, and if we're going to be the kind of people that God wants us to be, part of that is being fishers of men, he says, right? So he's saying, learn, one, read the word. Let God lead you. Learn to read the, and see the unseen of what's going on. Don't just go with the flow of culture. Don't just go with whatever people say. What's really going on behind the scenes? God, give me insight, right? And then when you're with people, God, how can I really add value to this person? How can I read, read this, what's going on? And, and honestly, we can only do these things with God's help. You can read the Bible and just read it as a book and miss out on what God's saying, or you can read it saying, God, give me insight. And, his, and the Spirit will help us on this journey. You can go in any situation. You can just say, I'm going to just go with what I feel. Or you can say, God, give me insight to really what's going on so I can add value to those around me, right? To the person, to the, to the team, or whatever is going there. And, and we're asking God. You know, I, I even find it fascinating when he invites his disciples. He says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Here in New Mexico, when we think of fishing, we think of a pole and, a, and a, uh, some kind of bait, right? A hook and a bait. We throw it in the river or the lake and we're fishing for a fish one at a time. When Jesus says, come and follow me, he's not thinking of this. Oh, that's not horrible. You know, he, he used that tool sometimes too. He's thinking of a net, right? How can we use our, our resources and our, um, our gifts to be able to make a difference? So I, I imagine myself that every encounter I have throughout our city, it's kind of like one of those strings in that net, right? I'm going from one part of town to the next part of town, and I'm throwing uh, that, that, uh, the other string to somebody else. And if you can imagine our whole city, all of our interactions and all of our encounters of where we work and where we live and, and, and where we play, right, in the relationships we have, 
we, it, it looks like this really massive network over the city of Santa Fe. And if we include other churches in that, in that picture, it's this massive net that we're actually working together to catch a lot of people for the kingdom of God, right? And when we do that, we make a bigger impact. And he's inviting us into this journey of saying, use your life to help others. And when we look at the invitation he calls the disciples, there's a few things he promised throughout the Gospels, right? He promised help. One, uh, Jesus promised that you're going you're gonna to get help. In fact, when I leave, it's good that I leave because I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to lead you in truth. He's going to be there to comfort. He's going to be there to help. And so the first thing Jesus promises is help. The second thing he promises is power. He says, what I'm asking you to do, you can't do in your own strength. You can't do by yourself. But I'm going to gift you. I'm going to equip you. And I'm going to empower you to do things that are beyond you. And the Holy Spirit's going to help you on this journey. And then the third thing, he says, I'm gonna, I'll always be there with you. Right? He promised his presence. He promised that he wasn't going to leave us, but he would be with us. In fact, he told the disciples, I mean, I'm never going to abandon you. I'm there to help you on this journey. My presence will be with you. And when I think of following Christ, I think of the fact that we have, we have support. We have help from God. And then when we have a team and we have a small group and we have people around us, then we have support and help in that way too. And it helps us and encourages us to follow, to follow Jesus. I would just say, let me, let me just say this. Whatever it is that God has put in your hand, whatever gift, whatever resource, whatever ability, would you ask God, how can I use this and allow me to use this to help others? Allow me to use this to serve others. Allow me to use this to help many come to know you. God, I, I've chosen to follow you. I've decided to follow you and I use my life to help others come to know you. It's, it's at the Grove, it's, it's one of the main things that we focus on, right? There are so many people in our city, in our world, that don't know Christ or haven't committed their life to Christ. And we're saying, what if we made that a priority for us? That every single Sunday, every single week, we'd say, God, use us to help people connect to you. So some of you watching, in fact, at the end of this uh, service, I'm going to give an opportunity for you to actually make that decision, right? To say, I, I want to go all in. I want to choose to follow Christ and allow him to use my life. And I'll give you that opportunity in a little while. So, um, but every week we, we look for those opportunities. God, how can we help people? Through our actions, through our words, through what we're doing, at some point they're going to say there's something different about you. What is it? We're living our lives for Christ. You know, I read a story. There's a, this, this series is called I Have Decided. Well, there's a song that, that was really popular years ago, and it's called I Have Decided. And it, it became a, a, very, a very popular song that Billy Graham and his crusades they would sing when people would come down to the altar and they, they would come forward and say, God, I received Christ, Right? And I, 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 uh, such a powerful song, saying, I have decided, right, to follow Jesus, there's no turning back. Well, the story of this is about 150 or more years old. Uh, there was a, uh, something took place in, in Wales, right, in the UK and Wales. And um, what, what took place was God began to um, uh, work inside of this country in a powerful way where a lot of people came to know Christ and commit their life to Christ to follow him, right? And so uh, they said, we need to go and take this to the rest of the world. And so out of, out of, they call it the Walsh Revival, and a lot of people came to Christ and they decided to go be missionaries around the world. Well, there was a, uh, a, a missionary that went to India. He, he had a sense to go to India and begin to reach some of the different people groups there. And while he was there, he led this family to Christ, right? He introduced them to, to the story of Jesus and what he did. And this family uh, heard this missionary and the story of, of the cross and the resurrection and, and saw the, the Bible and the words of John and uh, the different stories that took place uh, throughout throughout the the writings of the gospel, and they made they 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 made a decision to follow Christ, and so their whole family went all in. They said, "We're we're now Christ followers. We're Jesus followers. We're going to follow Jesus." Well, after a little bit of time, the chief of the village he found out that they became uh, Jesus followers, 
And he didn't like that. And so he brought the family forward and he says, if you don't denounce Christ, uh, we're going to kill you all. And the father said, you know what? We have made this decision. I've decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. And they killed his kids. And he says, now if you don't denounce Christ, we're going to kill your wife. And, and as a family, they, he said this, they said this, though none go with us, we're still going to follow. Like We've made this decision that this life is not more important than what God is calling us to. And eventually killed his wife and he says, you know, if you don't denounce Christ now, we're going to also kill you. And the man went to his death saying this, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, there's no turning back. And the man willingly gave his life saying, I've committed, I'm all in. It doesn't matter what you do to me, we're all in. And, and the chief had them all, all killed. Well, the story goes that shortly after this, the, the, the faith of this family and this man, it stirred the chief's heart so much that he says, um, if they're willing to die for this man who was not even from our country, uh, who died thousands of, year, uh, thousands of years ago, and they're willing to do this, like maybe there's something to this faith after all. And he made a decision, the chief, to actually say, you know what, because of this man's sacrifice, man, I, just, I decide to follow Christ. And the whole village saw the chief make that decision, and the whole village made this decision to follow Christ. And from there, it began to spread around. Uh, so fast forward into, into the mid-1900s. Uh, there's a young man who hears a story, and he puts these words to song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have just, though, though, though none go with me, Still I will follow. The none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, right? The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. And this man wrote this, this story from the song, and from, from, uh, the song from the story that took place. It's sung even, even today in many churches that we have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. For my life, I've made that decision. God, I've decided to follow you. There's no turning back. Though all these things pop up that seem really good, God, I'm going to choose what you have for me better than what I desire for myself. So the question during this series is, you need to ask yourself, am I following Jesus? For me, this has to be an ongoing process. God, am I following Jesus or am I just doing my own thing? Is it about my agenda or is it about your agenda? Right? What, what, what is it you're asking me to do? So today, as we talk about deciding, I've decided to follow Jesus, and decided to talk about discipleship and what it means to be a Jesus follower. Here's my challenge for you. Would you read the Gospel of John this week? Maybe some of you never read it before. Maybe you've read it a lot. But this time, just change it a little bit. Ask yourself, what is John telling me about Jesus? What is John in this, in this Gospel of John telling me about my life? What is John telling me about others? And don't just rush to the book. Really ask the question. So here's John. He's writing the Gospel. He's, he's trying to help us have insight into the life of Jesus. He's helping us insight into the conversations that he had with his disciples. Here's John who is very, very close with Jesus saying, guys, don't miss out on what Jesus came to do. The religious people thought this, right? These other people thought this. One group of people thought this is what it's about. Another group thought this. And Jesus is saying, no, you're both missing it. It's really about this. And he invites us into this journey. You know, this is, this is what I believe. That this week, if you begin to walk through the Gospel of John, you're going to see something. Maybe something different about Jesus. Because John's whole agenda is to convince you that Jesus really is the Son of God, right? He's not a liar. He's not a lunatic. He really is Lord. And in our culture, too many people say he's just a good moral teacher. You can't have it both ways. Either he was Lord or he's a liar. He's not both. And we have to make that decision to say, all right, 
If I'm going to follow him, I have to go all in believing that he really is the Son of God. I look at James, the half-brother Jesus, who willingly gave his life right, as a sacrifice, going to different parts of the world as a missionary to start churches and help people come to Christ. I think of this, this couple in India that gave their life right, saying, it doesn't matter what takes place, I decided to follow Christ. I think of Peter who died on the cross upside down because his death, he says, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. Hang me upside down and crucify me upside down. And his sacrifice, his life of saying, I believe so much in what Jesus did and what he came to accomplish, so I'm willing to give it all. Can you imagine in our, in our world today if some of us did that? God, I'm all in. God, whatever it costs me, I'm all in. I'm going to trust you. You put things in my hands. Now I'm, inviting, I'm asking you to lead me on this journey. I say yes to your invitation. You know, in, in the book of Revelation, John is writing this. And one of the pictures he gives us, um, he says, Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The last story John tells in, in his gospel is where Jesus comes back from the dead. The disciples go back to fishing. Jesus comes and tells them, Hey guys, you haven't caught anything? Why don't you throw your net on the side of the boat and the other side? And they catch this big catch of fish and and then they bring it to the shore and he says, hey guys, come and eat with me. Bring some fish, let's eat. And it says they eat breakfast together. Jesus, he ends, John ends the, ends the story of the gospel of Jesus by them having a meal together. Relationship. I think John is hinting at the fact that God wants to have a personal relationship with each of us. That he wants to lead us and it comes from relationship. It doesn't come from just obeying laws and obeying scriptures just because it says it comes from relationships saying, why is it exactly you're asking me to do these things? There's something behind it. Help me to know. I'm going to have insight. And he invites us on this journey. And today, that same invitation is for you that are watching. Jesus says, I stand at the, 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 the door of your heart, your life, and I'm knocking. If anyone will hear, that, hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and have a meal with you. We'll have a relationship. So today, if you're watching, maybe you haven't made the decision to follow Christ. Maybe today is that day. Maybe for some of you that are watching, you've maybe like Peter at some point, you've walked away, you've done your own thing, and Jesus calls you back and says, hey, come and follow me. It's not too late. It's never too late to do the right thing. Would you come and follow me? So today, if you're ready to make that decision, I would love to lead you in a prayer. And uh, This week, I would encourage you, would you read through the book of John and, and ask God, pray, say, God, what is it that you want to speak to me? How can I learn from this story, from this gospel? Um, you'll begin to see insights. So uh, pray, pray um, if, you're, if you're watching, I'll make that decision to follow. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say this. Say, Father God, today I invite you into my life. I say yes to following you. I make my decision to go after you. Would you come into my life? Change me. Work in me. Use my life. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross. Thank you for sending him to give us a better example of living. That he's alive today and he invites me into life. I put my trust in you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.